Hi, this is Amy live and uncut to expound upon some insights that I shared with a reporter from CEO Update regarding key contact programs. In that article, I talked about the importance of training, training, training for key contacts. Also about the dynamic that many key contacts don't want to engage their personal relationships on every issue that your organization presents. That's a common assumption we have, isn't it? That we've got someone who has a great relationship with a state or federal lawmaker, and we think we've, we've got this person for the rest of our lives. Let's engage them as much as possible. But I've found that they do not engage on every issue. So we need to set those expectations. You can read the article if you want more information about that, plus some real-world insights from other uh, government relations practitioners on that topic as well. But let me expound, as promised, on the challenges of properly executing a key contact program. There are many challenges. I want to cover the top three that I see being most prevalent. Number one, assuming that one's organizational title equals commitment. Um, There was a rush when key contact programs first came on the scene. There was really a rush to appoint people to serve as key contacts or to by by dictate of their organizational title, whether an association board member or a corporate executive, that that meant that you were a legislative key contact. I don't think that approach works anymore. It, it doesn't work for several reasons. Number one, there's less buy-in from the individual who's being told that they have to do this. I mean, think about it. Key contacts are people who like to be persuasive. They like to sell. They're people people. They like to have conversations. They're not afraid to be engaged at a moment's notice. That's a lot to ask. And not everyone has that in their DNA, has that proclivity in their DNA. So a lack of buy-in is one of the negative results when we appoint people to serve in that role. Number two, legislator skepticism. I believe lawmakers are fully aware that organizations employ these tactics and they may view with less credibility people who have been quote unquote assigned to contact them rather than the regular citizen they love to hear from. And last, there's a lack of quality control. Uh, We all know of high-ranking organization members who become chemically incapable of making a phone call or conducting a meeting as soon as they know an elected official, someone up the food chain from them, is in the audience. And we, we have to to recognize that and realize that if we are concerned about quality control, it's probably our problem, not their problem, because we haven't coached them properly. Number two, in terms of the mistakes people make, the big challenges in key contact program development, obscure expectations, ambiguity all over the place. Have you ever volunteered for a responsible position in an organization only to discover that there are no expectations, no guidelines for your involvement? You probably have, and it it becomes really frustrating. I find that key contacts are generally high achievers. They are well-connected. They are black belt varsity team members, and they want to know what success means. When will I be successful? How will I know I'm successful? How will I know if I tripped over it? Are there measurements and metrics for my success? Those things need to be defined before you embark on a key contact program. Last, no accountability. When we don't follow up with our key contacts to find out how they are communicating with elected officials, our silence is really an enabler. 
it implies very clearly that the key contact role isn't important. And it also impedes our progress because we miss out on vital information when planning our overall grassroots strategy. Depending on the size of your key contact network, there are lots of ways to elicit the desired information. We won't go into that now, but your organization isn't too big to get the information. I know of several national groups that take the time to personally meet with their key contacts as well as requiring online reporting. And uh, one of my clients sets aside time every other week and after every fundraiser to call each of her key contacts to see how they're doing. So the three challenges, there's many more, but three that you can think of uh, challenges in terms of implementing a key contact program. Number one, assuming that organizational title equals commitment. Number two, obscure expectations. And number three, no accountability. So ask yourself these questions. What percent of your key contacts have you appointed? Have you told that they will serve in that capacity? And what percent are volunteers? What percent came to you and said, I'd like to be a part of this program? Regarding expectations, if I called your office today and said, I want to serve as a key contact, could you tell me the expectations, benefits, and results of being a key contact? Do you have something in writing you can refer me to that has that information? Even better, do you have key contact orientation meetings, conference calls, coaching calls, training sessions for your new recruits? And lastly, if I was your CEO and wanted to know what the key contacts are accomplishing for the organization, could you tell me in two minutes or less? And would it be that you recite all the meetings that your key contacts are having or the events they're attending? Or would it be the results they're obtaining from those interactions? So those are some things you may want to think about as you implement or refine your key contact program. This is Amy, live and uncut.